Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The word worthy means to be weighed, like going to a marketplace and weighing something and it balances out on the scale. It's almost like we would today go over to Harris Teeter, buy some fruits and vegetables, take it to the cashier. They would weigh it and then say, well, you owe me this much money or it costs this much money. Well, in the first century, they would weigh it and then say this, your item is worthy of one denarii. It's, it's how much you weigh. So this guy, what they're saying is, Jesus is saying this guy, they said, Jesus, this guy is worthy. In other words, watch this. His words weigh as much as his talk. That's what they're saying. Now, that's a huge compliment coming from Jews about a Gentile. Are you with me? His words weigh as much as his talk. So I told them first, second I tell you now, I read this and I felt honestly like I was hit with a ton of bricks yesterday. You know, when I study, uh, you have to understand that any senior pastor, doesn't matter this church, any church, any senior pastor, we don't have the opportunity to sit in the audience and to hear a sermon and to get fed the word of God. So when I'm studying the word of God, that's God feeding me. I get fed from the Lord. And thus, when God feeds me, then I come here on Sunday morning and give you what God has given me. I can't give you something that I don't already have. So I'm sitting in my office. And I thought to myself, do my words weigh as much as my talk. In other words, I'm talking about the fact that I'm a Christian. I'm talking about the fact that I love God. If if I say I'm a Christian, do I act like a Christian? If I never told someone I was a Christian, would they know I was a Christian because they look at my life and they weigh my life and they weigh my words on a scale and it balances out. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And it ba- is, that, is that true of you? Can you say that? That my words weigh as much as my talk. Too often our words and our talk uh, don't, don't weigh the same and our lives don't weigh the same. We say one thing, but we live a different way. If people just looked at you and you never told them you were a Christian, Would they know you're a Christian because of the way you act, because of what you say or maybe what you don't say or because of where you go or maybe where you don't go? 
But people be able to just look at your life and say, there's, they may not be able to say, oh, you must be a Christian. You must be a follower of Jesus. They may not be able to say that, but would they say, hey, you're different. You're not like us. Well, how come you never go to happy hour with us after church? That would be the time for you to say, because happy hour ain't happy. <laughs> Somebody say amen. I ain't never seen nobody at happy hour happy. Everybody at happy hour sad. They should call sad hour. Well, why do you call it happy hour? I'm sorry. It's just a thought. But our words, do they weigh the same? Is there as much weight behind the man as there is verbiage? Well, point number three, we got to move on, running out of time. The centurion was a humble man. Saints, go ahead and peruse verse six through eight. He was a humble man. They come to Jesus pleading for him to come and heal the servant. And Jesus goes with them. He was not far from the house. And the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. And verse seven, are you looking at it? I am not even worthy to come into your presence, but say the word and my servant will be healed. If you're taking notes, saints, listen, we've got three opinions here of this centurion. First of all, we have the Jewish elders opinion of him. They say he's worthy. And then we have the opinion that he says of himself as he says, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house or for me to even come to you. And then I'm getting ahead of myself. We just read it actually in verse nine. We have Jesus opinion of the Roman centurion. As Jesus said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. Now notice in verse eight in your Bibles, because I believe, and I had to circle the word also, I believe that verse eight is the key as to why this is such an awesome story and why Jesus marveled at this man's faith. Notice verse eight. Go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. I want you to look at it. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes into another. Come and he comes. He says, Jesus, all you have to do is say a word because I understand authority. Did you get that? In other words, the centurion is saying, because I bow the knee. Watch this, saints. You're going to love it. Because I bow the knee to Caesar and my life is submitted to the throne of Rome and I am under authority and I have authority because all of the authority of Rome is behind me and backing me. So when I give a command, it happens. Jesus, I understand. I have authority. Jesus, I understand you have authority. And if you, Jesus, with your authority, because you've got all of heaven backing you, if you will just speak the word, my servant shall be healed. The centurion said, I'll wait while you clap your hands. That's all right. I could talk to you all day long. I'm running out of time. But I could talk to you all day long about this word, authority. The centurion servant said, I understand authority. I fear we live in a culture we don't understand authority. I'm, I'm honestly, we do not understand authority. And I can tell you something. The, the proof that we do not, no one understands authority, whether they're in the church or in the world. This word authority is a missing word in our vocabulary. People don't understand authority. 
And the reason they're building bigger prisons, more secure prisons, and there are more people being put in prison is because we don't understand authority. Parents, the best thing you can do, listen to me, I got to rush. The best thing you can do, I got to rush. <laughs> the best thing you can do for your children is to teach them authority. Teach your children that they are not in charge of anything. Because they're kids. They're children. Nothing drives me more nuts. When I see kids falling out in the supermarket aisle, y'all know I don't, y'all, I don't know. I see kids falling out in the supermarket aisle because they can't get the cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And they fall, ah, ah, ah. And then she's like, come on, come on, now stop it. Don't do that. I'd be like, let me tell you something. You want cuckoo? You want cuckoo? You sure you want cuckoo? <laughs> yes, I will ask them. Yes, you want cuckoo? I'll give you cuckoo. I'll take the box and start beating them over the head. Where I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of y'all child psychologists, you know, that's just not good for their psyche, Pastor. That, I don't agree. That's okay. Y'all know what I think about the psyche. Tear it up. <laughs> Can I get a witness? My psyche. I got your psyche. <laughs> and I thank God my mother was not concerned about my psyche. <laughs> I do. I do. Because it taught me that, that, that there, there's authority there. I, you know, I didn't grow up in a, a two-parent home. I didn't grow up with a father figure who taught me authority. My mother taught me the best she could, but that's all she could. But let me tell you something. I learned authority. Let me tell you. I learned authority July 7th, 1979 at 4 a.m. in the morning. What you mean, Rodney? That's because I went into boot camp July 6, 1979. Are you with me? So they come pick me up. It's July 6, 1979. They come pick me up. And uh, my goodness, 79 sounds so long ago. It made me feel like it's like forever. It was like, a, woo, we done been through several presidents already. Good grief. And uh, so... You know, they come pick me up, you know, and then don't, don't, don't fool yourself. Some of y'all think, well, they can't pick me up. Well, I must be important. They sent the driver for me. They sent a van, the driver to pick me up. I must be important. They didn't send the driver because you're important. Don't flatter yourself. They sent the driver to make sure you show up. Okay. <laughs> Are you with me? So they come pick me up and we go to boot camp and it was a long day. Y'all, I'm from Philly and we, they took us to a Great Lakes, Illinois, and Naval Training Center, Great Lakes, Illinois. By the time we got there, it had been a long day. I was exhausted. It was two in the morning. We finally got to go to bed. And I said, uh, that's what I said. Oh, I was so tired. I was wore out. I mean, they went through all this stuff we had to do and it was nuts. And we finally got into bed at 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, finally. So we get in the bed. We walk in the barracks and everybody's scurrying to get their beds and everybody got the bottom racks and I got the top one. I didn't even care. I just want to get in the bed and go to sleep. 
So I'm in the bed. I fall asleep probably in 30 seconds flat. Two hours later, a drill sergeant come flipping on the lights, screaming, you get out of bed, you girls, all you girls get out of that bed. He's cussing and banging stuff and yelling and screaming and people jumping out of the bed. It's like two hours. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, what in the world is going on in here? I never forget, it's like vivid. I'm like, what in the world does he think he's doing? I ain't getting out of nothing. I'm, I remember thinking, look, I'm from Philly. Shoot, I got it like that. I ain't getting out of nothing. And everybody jumping out of that bed. I'm like, I'm sitting right here. I'm like, man, that guy came and got in my face. I'm on the top rack. That guy came, got in my face. He was like in my face, close enough to kiss. I was like, dude, you need a breath mint. That's not working. That's, you need to back up. And he just took my rack, flipped it over. I came rolling out the bed, onto the floor, jumped up, and it was at that moment that I realized I wasn't in charge. I thought I was. I don't know why I thought I was. Well, then they haul us off to the barber. It's like 4.30 in the morning. They haul us off to the barber, and they cut off my fro. And I'm like, now wait a minute. What am I going to do with my pick now? <laughs> Y'all remember the pick? That was, you know, you put the pick in the bag. I'm like, what am I going to do? You cut off my fro. Now what am I going to do? I'm not in charge of nothing. And I realized at that point, I wasn't in charge that they were. And that was the beginning of my lesson in submission. We have got to learn that submission, first of all, saints, listen, is submission and authority is of the Lord. I could talk to you about this for three weeks. I mean, seriously, it's that big a topic. But submission and authority is from God. If you know that, please say amen. It is God who has established authority. It's God who has established leadership in the church. And when we submit to the authority that God has put in place, we honor God. That's why it's important to teach your children. I have all of my children's lives sought to teach them authority and submission to those children who will listen. Amen. Amen. Some of them don't want to listen. I ain't going to tell you. I ain't going to tell you. Don't shout too loud. Your kids sit next to you. And, uh, <laughs> but to those who listen, my son was sitting on the first service, his first service right there on the first row. And I was telling them, and he knows it's true. I've been teaching my children authority and submission all of their lives. Helping them to understand that you're not in charge you are a child or if you're in the church, if you're not in the head a uh, position of leadership, then you're not in charge. Therefore, you should submit to authority because by teaching your children to submit to the authority in the church, you're helping them to understand that they need to submit to the authority of God. You're helping them. Conversely, if you don't teach them that they won't submit to God either. Husbands, if you want your wives to submit to you, then you need to show her, listen, you need to show her that you are submitted to God. And a lot of times women do not want to submit to men, although they should because you submit to 
to your husband as unto the Lord. So ultimately you're obeying the Lord and submitting to him. But a lot of times, fellas, it's hard. This is a freebie. I'm saving you 150 bucks an hour counseling. Listen, (laughs) she doesn't want to submit to you because she's afraid, because she's fearful, because you are not submitted to the Lord. Single people, listen, submit to the Lord. Don't look for a man. Don't look for a woman. Submit to the Lord. A lot of times I believe that God, you know, hasn't and cannot bring that person into your life that, 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 that he is want to, wants to pair you up with because you're not submitted to him. And because you're not submitted to him, you're not ready for him. Did you hear me? And you're not ready for him. So you need to prepare yourself for that relationship by submitting to the Lord and submitting to the authority of God. Some people want a relationship, but they're not ready for that relationship. So this centurion, he says, Jesus, all you got to do is say a word because your authority is higher than the authority of this sickness. Do you understand that Jesus authority is higher than the authority of the banker? Who says, well, we can't do that for you. We can't financially do this or we can't financially do that. Jesus authority is higher than the authority of the doctor who says you're sick and you're going to die. Jesus authority is higher than the authority of the counselor or the lawyer or a pastor. Jesus speak a word. And they shall be healed. Final point, this centurion was an incredible man of faith. Did you get this? Look at verse 9 and 10, if you will. When Jesus heard this, he stopped. Are you looking at verse 9? If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. He stopped the whole crowd and he marveled and he said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, this word marveled, if you're taking notes, you should write this down. It means to be amazed. It means to be astonished, shocked in wonder. And listen, you really have to do something to make God marvel. Do you know that there are only two times in the Bible where it says Jesus marvel? The other time, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's in Mark chapter six, verse six. And he marveled at the unbelief of Israel. The other time is right here in our text where he marvels at the faith, the incredible faith of the centurion. Now, if you put these stories together with Matthew chapter eight, uh, you'll see that after Jesus had said, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. After he said that, then he said, I tell you the truth. Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That's a prophecy of Gentiles in the future that will come from all over the world and be a part of the kingdom in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, I love how God orchestrates worship. You know, I, I, I did ask Steve if he would sing that song, I Have to Believe, because that song just encourages me, because I'm going through a tough time right now. But I didn't ask him to sing the song, I Will Abide, and we'll all be at the table of the Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I didn't ask him to sing that. The Lord put that on his heart. That's right here in our text. Technically, when you put the stories together with Matthew chapter 8, 
Someday, believer, listen, here's our hope. Are you listening? Are you listening? The hope of the believer is someday this will all be over. And someday we're going to be in the presence of the Lord at the marriage supper of a lamb. That's going to be, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Would you do that? I don't know about you, but I can't wait. I can't wait to be in the presence of the Lord. I can't wait to see this marriage supper because this is like a huge potluck. I'm talking, this is like a huge, super huge, humongous, long potluck table. I'm haven't had breakfast, lunch, or I need to eat. But <laughs> this is going to be a huge deal. It's going to be wonderful. And all of the believers, listen, throughout all of time, through the quarters of time and eternity, will be at this table. Jacob and Abraham and Isaac and Elijah and Elisha and Ezekiel and David and Obadiah. Some of y'all are like, Oba who? <laughs> Obadiah. That's an Old Testament prophet. He's got a, a book in the Bible and an Old Testament prophecy, and you should read it. Because when you're in, in heaven at the marriage supper table, you might be sitting next to him. And you want to be able to say, hey, dude, I read your book. It was great. <laughs> it was small, but it was great. It was really good prophecy stuff. It was an awesome book. You want to be able to say that. Everyone's going to be there. No one's going to be there. Adam's going to be I got some questions for Adam. <laughs> I got, I'm, I'm, I got, that's a whole nother sermon, y'all. I got some questions for Adam. Like, why, what, what in the world? What were you doing? Why wouldn't you, your wife is all over the place. Look what the mess you got us all into. <laughs> now pass me a turkey leg. <laughs> so God sees this man of incredible faith, this Roman centurion. He says, I'm not seen such great faith in all of Israel, even among my people. Why? Because when Jesus came, they didn't receive him. They didn't have faith. And he marveled. And I wonder if Jesus is astonished in wonder, marveling today, one way or the other. And maybe he's astonished in, and marveling at the fact that you're growing in your faith and that you're becoming strong in the Lord and that you love him more today than you did yesterday. Do you? You love him more today than you did yesterday? I do. And I'm saying that all glory to him because if he didn't keep me, I couldn't be kept. Somebody say amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I love him more today. And, and he's marveling. And he's like, great, awesome, like the centurion. Great, awesome, that's awesome. You're growing, you're loving me, you're serving me, that's wonderful. He's marveling. And then the other side, maybe he's standing back scratching his head, and he's wondering how come in light of all the blessings that he has bestowed upon you. Listen, I don't care. Listen, I do not care what you are going through. You are blessed. You are blessed, blessed. Bless. And God has blessed us. And he's been good to us. And he's shown us mercy. And he's shown us grace. And he's shown us love. And he's shown us compassion. And he's shown us uh, uh, acceptance. 
And I'm wondering if he's not standing back, scratching his head, wondering, in light of all that I've done for you, how come you're not stronger in the Lord today than you were back then? And why aren't you drawing close to me? And why aren't you loving me more? And why aren't you at this point, you've been in church for 20 years. How come you're not discipling someone? Everyone needs to be a Paul and everyone needs to be a Timothy. And what I mean by that is Paul instructed Timothy. Timothy was a disciple of Paul. And when you get to a certain age, as you've been growing in the Lord, it's time for you to become a Paul, find someone to disciple and begin to pour into them. That's where you will find growth. And see, I didn't say that first and second. So y'all got that freebie. That's a good one. You can make that check payable to Rodney. I'm just, I'm just, kidding. just kidding. Why aren't you growing? And, and I wonder if God is standing back like, yeah, I just don't get it. I mean, I've been so good to them. And why aren't you fired up for me? Instead, you're on the fence. Because of this man's faith, the servant was healed when death meets life. Do you understand that nobody, search the scriptures, ever died in the presence of Jesus? No one dies in his presence. When death meets life, this servant was healed and he was set free and he was delivered because of the faith of someone else. Listen, I pray that 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 would be you. That because of your faith, someone else is blessed, healed. Maybe they're having an emotional difficulty or stressful time in their life. And because of your faith, you begin to share God's word with them and tell them what God says and tell them how much God loves them. Because of your faith, someone else is healed. Just like because of the Roman centurion's faith, someone else is healed. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.